Hi, you're listening to the First Encounters podcast. This is the podcast where we bring together strangers to talk about things that strangers would never normally talk about. On today's encounter, we have Anna and Philip talking about Catholicism and their experiences with it. We hope you enjoy. I'm Anna, I am from Cardiff, in case my accent didn't give it away, and I want to be a writer. I'm uh, Philip Adamczyk. <laughs> I write uh, fantasy and imaginative fiction and like playing video games and I like cats. <laughs> Hi. Uh, hello. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, cool. So your question pile is in the middle. All right. I'll go first. Given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you want as a dinner guest? Hmm. I'd probably say uh, Brandon Sanderson, the most obvious answer. Did he write <laughs> Mistborn? Part. Yeah, he's the author of the Mistborn series, uh, also finished The Wheel of Time and the uh, ongoing Stormlight Archive. Um, if I was going to choose anyone, I'd say Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac, purely because you've got to be some kind of crazy batshit bitch if the whole world sort of thinks that you're a witch. <laughs> and like, that's kind of how I want to go down in history, like possibly a witch. But also, like, as any self-respecting white girl in the world, landslide like, means a lot to me. So, probably Stevie Nicks, just because I could potentially steal one of her shawls. <laughs> and that's really all I've wanted since birth. So what would you ask her at this dinner? I'd ask her to, like, set me on fire and then play a selection of her greatest hits while I burn on the pyre. Preferably accompanied by Florence and the Machine. Like, that would be peak. That's how I want to go. Like, burnt like a witch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's an unconventional... <laughs> what would you ask Brandon Sanderson? <laughs> Um, well, I'd ask him, uh, probably, the first thing I'd ask him really is about, like, wh what does he think about, like, people considering, like, beliefs since he's a Mormon? Um, what's his name? Uh, Joseph Smith and, like, the whole Book of Mormon to be, like, a total sham and, like, what's mm. his approach to that? Since it is, like, has been, like, factually proven that a lot of the things he has said are virtually untrue or basically even lies. So let's say how that influences, like, his beliefs in that sense because Mormons are a really, really weird bunch sometimes. Are they and the ones who it was like he's walking in the woods and like fell over? Oh fuck! There's more commandments. <laughs> I can have six wives. Yeah, yeah, that's there. That's that's the guy. That's the guy. Um, they're like the woman's also like the ones in like because they usually live in Utah, but they they're the ones that like you know go around knocking on doors there. Mm. And oh, hello. My name is Alda Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'd really be interested in to see like, see his opinion on that sense how how that how that influences, which is basically something that the sort of like the center of his whole whole like religi religious life. Do you think the fact that he is a Mormon impacts the things that he writes, or if you, you knew in depth what he believes, it would impact the way, way you read it? Or uh, his beliefs definitely impact the way he writes. It's very visible. There, like, there is very, very little sex in his books. I mean, sex in itself, there's no sex in it. And also, like, um, there's this whole theme of like uh, humans becoming gods, mm. and that's like very prevalent in Mormon uh, theology that everyone can become become a god or god in that sense. So his, like, Mormon-like uh, roots do show in these books. Well, my favourite author is, um, well, fantasy author is Philip Pullman. Do you remember, like, the Northern Lights series? Oh, yeah. I, I like, favourite books as a child, probably more so than Harry Potter, never left me. And, like, he is an atheist, and his books are about atheism. And I didn't realise this, and I went to, like, super, super strict Catholic schools, and I used to bring them in for reading time, and they, like, banned me from reading them. Oh, wow. So they gave me the fucking Chronicles of Narnia instead. So I sort of whizzed through them because they were really easy. And I was like, oh, great, the lion's god. Wonderful. <laughs> so then I just kept bringing it in with, like, different book covers printed on it instead. 
And I got caught after a while and I got like detention for like a week and then I brought them to detention with me as well. And I was like nine at the time. Uh, Never really ceased with that. Oh. Would you like to be famous? If yes, in what way? Oh, I'd love to be famous because I'm a self-obsessed asshole. But, um, oh, when you get free stuff. Um, I don't know. I'd sort, I don't have any talents that would actually make me famous in a conventional way. So I might just become a serial killer and hope for the best. What about you? Um, I'd like to, I mean, not many people would say no to Yeah, this like, question. what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but um, if I was like, so if I became famous, it'd probably be like, obviously, famous author. But mm. a thing that I'd really like to do is like, because I know that a lot of writers are very like, um, seclusive in terms of, like they just write their books and really knows who they are i really like to be like interactive with my fans in the sense yeah. that um you know like especially especially like reddit for example is an excellent way of doing this uh otherwise it's just like i feel that you know when you're like a writer like sort of like the reader is your boss in that sense yeah and that you sh- and that you always like i disagree with say you know george r r martin who says um you know oh you know it's all about like you know the journey and not the destination with books and that he, if he dies or not finishing um, a song of ice and fire that's cool I'm oh like... i'd kill myself if that happened <laughs> like genuinely um so i think like i believe he does owe his readers like an ending and i feel that you know even if like it doesn't have to be like you know someone else finishing your book series but at least like publishing an outline or something like that just yeah. or just like saying what the ending is that your readers get some sort of closure so if i was famous i'd definitely like Keep in mind that it's because of these people who come to, like, get their book signed. It's why I'm, like, in this famous position and get, you know, all the free Apple stuff and that. Mm. <laughs> and those goods. So, um, definitely I say yes, but be sort of, like, know where this fame comes from. To be fair, I'm such an attention seeker. I'd take fame at any cost. like, fucking hell. But um, th- I think there's a point, like, you know, with, like, fame, you see, like, people who just cannot go outside without getting mobbed. I just feel bad for them. Yeah. Like, I will openly admit I'm a Kardashian fan. Like... I know that's bad, but, like, I do feel kind of bad for some of them, but at the same time, they do court it, so it's like, eh. Mm-hmm. Their lifestyle be peak, just hanging around, people filming me eating salad. Like, <laughs> what the fuck else would you want? Should we do the next one? All right, you can go ahead. What, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? Oh, that's controversial. Hmm. These days, almost everything is the right answer, because people get easily offended. I say it actually depends where you are. Yeah, I say this is like a very, very broad question that really depends on what's your current location. I think fundamentally setting does impact it. Like, I wouldn't joke about... Actually, I'm saying that I've got a friend who's a devout Christian and 24-7 I'm like to him, God doesn't exist. <laughs> but um, no, if it wasn't my friend, then I wouldn't say that. Mm. But um, I'm kind of of the mind that there are certain things like I wouldn't... I'd never joke about the Holocaust. Yeah, exactly. I'd never joke about yeah. rape. I would never make rape jokes anything like that I think those are the two that stand out in my mind because I hear jokes like that a lot and I'm kind of like cool Mm. great thanks for that one um so the holocaust is a really interesting one in that sense that um not of people even in Poland which is like a country that's been like you know hit the most by the holocaust those jokes are 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 quite visible and no Mm. one really again it comes back to setting if if you're friends if you're with your friends um, and then you can, and then like joke about it, then, you know, no one's really, you know, causing any harm or anything like that. But if you're like, you know, an open, say, comedian, stand-up comedian, and start joking about it, that's when it actually gets dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, you don't, you don't really know who's in your audience, you don't know who might get offended, who might not. So, yeah, rape jokes as well. Um, uh, I agree with you on that, I think. I that, don't think any, that those should be made in any circumstance, because yeah. you never know who's listening, mm. and I'm kind of like, don't yeah. be an asshole. But uh, I've always found it really interesting that uh, death is basically like a topic. Oh, shit. Yeah, I've already said I'm going to kill myself today. (laughs) Yeah, like people make that joke so much. 
than so often, and no one really bats an eye. Well, not to betray the、uh, meaning of this show, which is saying that we don't know each other. But we're in a seminar together, and twenty four seven, all I say is, "I'm going to kill myself."、Yes. I wish I was dead. <laughs> and even our seminar tutor just laughs and moves on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like no, one day I'm gonna fucking do it, and you're gonna go, "Uh oh, we should have said something." That's when no, I'm gonna just- laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's just like the peak of meta humor. Like, just oh, she finally killed herself. Now that's the end of the joke. <laughs> Performance art. <laughs> Reminds me of that sh- movie called Black Swan, where she like. Oh fuck!、Yeah, that she- film is amazing. Yeah, she's like, I'm gonna be perfect, just like kills herself in the end. Which is, like meta. <laughs> to be fair, that film is fucking batshit. Like, th- you're the director, Darren Aronofsky. Did you see his other film, Mother? No. What the Black Swan. fuck was going on? I was only 13 when I watched Black、mm. Swan, so I'm like, I don't. Oh, sorry.、Really- I was only 19 when I saw Mother, and I still don't know what the fuck was going on there. <laughs> it was like they just tear the baby. I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> If you say so, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw it came out, and I was like, "I feel like Darren Aronofsky owes me money." Ooh, what's this?、Um, if you could change one thing about the way you were raised, what would it, what would that be? Um. Now, see, this is a weird, hard question because, like, objectively, I was raised pretty perfectly, and、mm. I'm not saying that because my mum is going to come and find this podcast because she <laughs> will because we're codependent. But like, the one thing I would change is I would say I wouldn't go to Catholic school.、Mm. I wouldn't be raised in. Religion, but at the same time, I know that if I didn't go to Catholic school, I wouldn't have had as good of a standard of education.、Mm-hmm. It's just I think some of the things that they teach you in, like most of what they taught, was of a higher standard than usual. Like I was doing classics before most people knew what classics、mm-hmm. was, but the stuff that we were taught in religion and the stuff that I was taught to believe about myself from a very young age that still is damaging to me today, I would happily cut that out of my life. Like one hundred percent. Like I remember in primary school being told that because my parents aren't married and they've never been married, like they've been together forever, but they've just never gotten married because they don't believe in it. They told me when I was like seven that I was a bastard and I was going to hell, <laughs> and that my parents were also going to hell, <laughs> and that we were all going to burn in hell together. And I was like, oh, thank you. You were、I'm, seven. The- I was seven. <laughs> oh my god. In fucking Sunday school, I was like, oh great. And they were like, the only way to avoid this is if your parents get married right now. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Their idea of sex ed was telling us like if you're gonna have sex, which you shouldn't, because you'll die. Their idea of contraception was pulling out. And considering how many teen pregnancies there were in my school, obviously that doesn't work. <laughs> and then their response to the girls who got pregnant was, "Well, it's your fault. Have fun. No abortions." I、okay. don't know. It was just ugh, grotty.、Um, Polish Catholicism is way different than like、uh, English Protestantism or how we call it like, Anglicanism. Oh, I'm not Anglican. I'm oh, Catholic, just, Catholic. I'm Catholic. Poland's like a very like it's, it's, it's like this meme with like this map where you have like McDonald's in America, like whole place is littered,、mm. churches in Poland, and you can't see the country because <laughs> it's <laughs> everywhere. Do you know? I went to Krakow once one summer, and there were just churches everywhere. Exactly, I was like, there's、nice. so many churches. The church has so much influence. To be in fair,、Poland. though, I do like visiting churches because they're so beautiful.、Mm-hmm. So I was kind of in my element because like every other every Couple steps. I was like, oh yes, another church, another church. <laughs> um, especially Baroque churches.、Uh, mm. If I would change anything, ah,、uh, this is why I say something very cliche. Say,、oh, actually, I think it was perfect.、Mm. It's just something I wonder about. You know, the question I ask myself: What if, like, my parents hadn't moved back from the UK to Poland in two thousand and six? Yeah, I think how because my life would have been totally different. Because that thing basically that event like wiped out all my friendships. Everything I knew was just like gone. Yeah, like, new start. So、um, I wouldn't really change anything, but I, w- I would be curious as to how my life would have 
um, actually gone if, if we had stayed in the UK. Did you ask the last one? Yeah. Okay, cool. How would you describe your faith? Time to get controversial. Mm. Um, so the way I always try to explain it is that I believe in God. Mm -hmm. I believe in the Bible. And I believe in not, uh, uh, a lot that the Bible says. Yeah. I don't believe in the church that much. Um, just as for my bad experience with like, so in Poland you have these like obligatory religi religion lessons once yeah. a week or twice a week. But at some point we had a lesson about like some like a bit of history. And that's when she started telling us that the Inquisition was a good thing. Oh! <laughs> and she was like, oh, you know, <clears throat> we owe so much to the Inquisition. It was such a good invention. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> Um, when I went to church in England once, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I found it way more, um, not as strict as in Poland. It was much, it was like a m much more lighthearted. Yeah, I preferred the approach. I prefer like this light approach to like Jesus that it's yeah. like, you know, it's your thing. You know, you can, it's like the church in Poland, it like forces you that you think you should go to church every Sunday. Whereas uh, for me, always like going to church is like, if you feel like it, if you feel the need, you know, you want to spend time with like your fellow Christians or just simply like in a holier place, then sure, go, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, whatever. But um, if someone like tells you, you know, oh, you're a bad person if you don't go, if you don't come here like at 6 p.m. every Sunday, then I'm like, no, I don't believe it that way. So um, for me, faith is like sort of like an individual thing. And um, I think organized religion is important, but like this notion of it being obligatory should definitely like stop. Um, but what about you? Like, you must have um, quite interest in it. <clears throat> see, everyone thinks I'm going to be way more controversial than I actually am about religion because I've got some strange stories about Catholic school. But I would say that I'm agnostic mm -hmm. rather than atheist because I can see the good of religion. Like, <clears throat> I really think that when you're young, it's very helpful. Like, when I think about, you know, how do you explain death to a child when mm -hmm. you're an atheist? Like, so I'm really glad that that was around when I, I grew up sort of with it around me. So I'm open to the idea. <clears throat> I'm just very anti, I'm not gonna say organized religion because I don't know enough about like how other religions are structured. Mm -hmm. I'm very anti-organized Catholicism. <laughs> Cause it's just not a mm. pleasant place to grow up and it can be very, very damaging to your self-esteem and your psyche. Mm -hmm. And like the people that you get introduced through it are either psychopaths or just <clears throat> creepy. And it's just, while I acknowledge that like, I definitely had a higher standard of education because I went to a Catholic school, like my parents couldn't afford private school when I was in high school. So they did the best they could by putting me through the Catholic education system, which you know, has gotten me here. So obviously it worked pretty well. But the extra stuff you learned in religion <laughs> was a bit disturbing. Like I had this RE teacher in, uh, for my GCSEs and his thing was constantly commenting on girls' appearance in his class. All right. And like <clears throat> commenting on how attractive you were and like talking about you getting married and having children and like saying that you would. <laughs> and it was like, and he used to talk about sex incessantly to us. But anyway, we were an all girls class and he was constantly going on about our appearance. And like, I think he commented on my weight once, but he did it really <laughs> subtly. And I was like, hmm, okay. There was like <laughs> one female RE teacher and she was okay. But she was nuts. Like she literally, I think she woke up in the morning, ate some like cereal and then instantly just started like whipping herself for Jesus. She was fucking nuts. But um, like I watched this documentary on Netflix called The Keepers, which is about um, how pedophilia in the Catholic church can get covered up. Because mm -hmm. I always thought, oh, maybe if I had kids one day, I'd send them to Catholic school for mm -hmm. the standard of education. But now I'm like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> like that is not happening. Like the mm -hmm. things that they teach girls especially, it's just, mm. Maybe not, not in this house. Mm. 
Um, but I was forced to do confirmation even though I didn't believe in God at that point because mm. my nan really wanted me to and my cousin refused to. So I sort of did mm. it and I used to go to all the lessons and I used to just <laughs> cause uproar because I'd be like, I don't believe in God and then they'd just have a go at me and then I'd be <laughs> like, I believe abortion is a basic human right. Then they'd have a go at me. I was like, I don't think there's anything wrong with gay people and they would just <laughs> fucking lose it. Um, well, actually, since this is about the topic of faith, like an interesting thing is like Buddhism. Mm. often called like the um, godless religion just because there isn't a god in it really and i feel like you can actually be say a catholic and a buddhist at the same time that you can actually share these because there's nothing in like christianity that would forbid you to be a buddhist and vice versa i'm gonna be completely honest with you in like school their idea of religion lessons was just talking about catholicism so i know nothing about buddhism i don't mm. really know anything we did like a week learning about judaism because mm. they were like well they're the original big guys so we'll learn a little bit about them i don't know enough about mm. any other religions to actually say anything about them and that's one of the problems i had with being raised in the catholic mm. education system is because you don't learn about any other religions all you have is just bible bashing you over the head incessantly and trips mm. to nunneries like i didn't meet a muslim until i was like 15. Name one thing you love about religion. Oh, okay. That's you. Mm. <laughs> I sort of like the sense of community actually brings, because, mm. like, um, obviously, like, you know, every society has this, like, share of, you know, nutcases and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but I think, like, religion, like, it doesn't matter if, you know, if you're, like, a Mormon or, or a Muslim or a Buddhist or, you know, or, 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 like, you know, a Protestant or Catholic. You always have this, like, small community usually you can always turn to. Like, when I was in Italy, for example, when I sort of walked into a church, I sort of always had this, like, feeling of familiarity. Yeah. That came with, like, you know, just, like, being in the middle even of, like, a mass or something. That was just like, oh, actually, I know what this is. So I can, like, sort mm. of, like, feel like, a bit, like, a bit at home. So, yeah, the sense of community is one thing that I do like, love about it there. There is a sense of familiarity, like when I hear things that would be said in like a normal British Catholic mass, that I'm sort of like, oh, I can go to sleep now. Like I I feel comfortable. I feel comforted. Like, did you do nativities like in school? Like, because mm. we always did these massive nativities and it always brought everybody very close together. And oh, yeah. it was yeah, so yeah. much fun. And I don't know if that was just because I was like an overachieving little bitch and I was always like <laughs> the star, <laughs> the angel, Mary. So I was at a fucking great time. I loved it. But um. <clears throat> what I liked was it, it sort of gave you a good foundation. Like, the only thing I really took away from Catholicism and have kept with me is do to what other people that you would want done to yourself. And I think that's, you know, the foundation of what it's all built on. And I think it's for every religion. Like, the foundation of religion is a good thing because it's never about, oh, let's just hate people. Mm, exactly. Let's, <laughs> let's kill people. It's always about, you know, love people, mm. respect people, do the best you can. And I think that is, I mean, I still do that. Mm. I just don't need a religion to tell me to do it. So yeah, the fact exactly. that it, there is these huge organizations built upon effectively love, that, mm. you know, the fact that that's in the world doesn't bother me. Like mm. that almost makes me happy sometimes. Okay. What is one thing that confuses you about religion? Um, I am confused basically by how pretty much all other religions in the world work because I never really was exposed mm. to them. Like I would love to go to... Like, obviously, they're not called masses. I don't know what they're called in, like, the Jewish faith or the, like, Muslim faith. Like, I'd love to see one just because I would like to see how different people live. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to see how, what everybody's up to. So, basically, anything about any other religion, <laughs> I know nothing about. And I don't mean that in, like, a bad way because I would love to learn. But, yeah, mm. so when I see people doing things for different religions, I'm confused by it because I don't understand it. But I, w I want to learn. I, d I don't want to be confused, effectively. Mm. So... I think that's the nicest, the easiest way I can say mm. it. 
My take on this would be it's not really sort of what confuses me about some atheists is like、mm. uh, Richard Dawkins, I think that's his name. He's like a very、um, outspoken like、um, opponent to like、um, religion, and what confuses me is that he keeps on like sort of trying to prove that God either exists or he doesn't. Yeah, and it's like. It's not really about that though. Like that's not that religion's point isn't like to prove God exists because that's supposed to be about belief that you believe in God, you believe in like His、um, eternal love, power, and compassion. And people like Richard Dawkins, they just like I feel they just don't understand what belief is about, how,、yeah. how, how that how important that is, and how it works. And they try to have like this, this is what confuses me. It's like why they keep on trying to have like this very scientific approach to God,、yes. which obviously even by definition is supposed to be above science. Like you can't really Can't really prove it. He's not supposed to be like. You know, in my opinion, God is essentially everything. You know how the、mm. universe works. That、like, universe is God. Just as、uh, everyone is God, because we're all a part of Him, or her, or it. So、um, yeah, this is what confuses me about some atheists. It's just like how hell bent they are on like saying, "Oh, God doesn't exist," or "God does exist." It's like it's not what it's about. I like half agree because I agree that people shouldn't be like, "You can't believe in God."、Mm. I'll prove he's wrong because <laughs> I'm like, "Nah, you, let just leave everyone alone." But like I can understand the desperation to prove、mm-hmm. something, because I mean obviously <clears> we're all sort of just, you know, we're all part of a large game of Sims that makes no sense to anybody. <laughs> so like on both sides, I understand the desperation to prove stuff. I think this is what k- mattered to me because I always used to sort of keep going back like, oh maybe I should be religious just in case there is a、mm. hell and I'm going there, which I would be. But、um, I'm always kind of like I came to terms with it that we're not going to know. I don't、mm. need to know. I'll just do what I want. If I go to hell. Oh wow! So, I think acceptance is an important thing,、mm-hmm. but at the same time, I completely understand because I think it is just fear a lot of the time. Like,、mm. see, my kind of thing is like, I am agnostic. I'm open to it. I'm open to not being open to、mm. it. One thing I just thought of that confuses me: you know, people who generally Christians deny like things that have been proven. <laughs> Like the existence of dinosaurs. Ah,、uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That drives me fucking insane. Yeah, same. I'm like, I can understand believing in science、mm. and believing in religion because plenty of people at my school did. So I don't、mm. understand the people who go science doesn't、yeah. exist. I don't want to go off on one and say the wrong thing. I, but I mean, I'm like, I think you should because it's like, can you not believe in dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> they are the they're, they're fucking huge. The bones they exist. <laughs> You know what's funny? That it's like you know when you have like toy sets of dinosaurs. You got like、yeah. a T Rex and a Stegosaurus in the same box. That the ti- the difference like, in time, like they were set apart in time、yeah. more than we were from the T Rex. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was found out. Don't that, that blows my mind. Like, wasn't it?、Um, Cleopatra was born closer to the invention of the iPhone than the building of the pyramids. Yeah, exactly. That makes me want to just lie down for half an hour. It's like it's so, you just think about it, it's like wow. Like the mammoths were still around when they built the pyramids. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> well, I was really, really into dinosaurs when I was a kid. I was like that kid. I loved dinosaurs, and there was a girl who I knew. She didn't go to my school. She went to like I think it was like a club that I went to, and she didn't believe that dinosaurs existed because her parents told her they didn't. I'm like, well. A, how can you deny your child the fun of being into dinosaurs? Exactly. How could you like, do that? I was like, what the fuck, as a child, and then I was like, B, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, I used to come in with all these dinosaur things to prove to her that dinosaurs existed, and she was like, no, they don't exist. But she had like a lisp, so she was like, they don't exist, and I was like. <sighs>
I'm, oh, wow. I'm still fucking hung up on this. I, I don't know what she's doing. I can't remember her name. I don't know where she is in the world. But I hope she hears this and I hope she knows the dinosaurs did fucking exist. <laughs> Maybe she's at uni now, like, studying biology, biology <gasps> or something. And she finally, um, yeah, <laughs> understands I, I, the truth. I hope. <laughs> I hope. Right, okay, let's move on from dinosaurs. Yeah, and yeah. ask the next questions about dinosaurs and I'd be very excited. <laughs> How much do you think storytelling feeds into religion? Yeah. I think it's really, really important, and I love that. Like, 90% of what I heard story-wise as a child were to do with religion. Like, when you think about how... Even religions that no one really necessarily believes in anymore, like Greek mythology mm. and, like, Norse mythology, the fact that we still tell those exactly. stories to our kids, I think is so important, like, because mm. we just keep them going. And they're such fucking great stories. Exactly. Like, what the fuck was going on in <laughs> Greek mythology? I don't know, but I love it. It's great. I think it's fantastic. Mm. I don't know if you've read um, Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. Yes! Yeah, I love such Neil Gaiman. A good, I just, but sometimes it's just so, like, I just love these, like, bizarre images that appear in it, like, giant the size of, like, you know, that like his head is the size of a mountain, and it's, like, and Thor just, like, takes, like, under two minutes to walk across him, and I'm like, this, this dude is, like, 100 kilometers yeah. wide. Like, how do you do it in two minutes? I just love this, like, fantastic imagery that disappears. I mean, obviously, I love fantasy, so... Mythology especially is like deeply connected to it. It's like storytelling and parables and myths make the things that we can't understand mm. human, don't they? Like yeah. it makes it brings it down to a normal level. So the things that religion wants to teach you, it can be taught through stories. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't mind if you disagree with what it's saying. Mm. I don't always agree with what they say. But you have to appreciate the importance and just how incredible it is that telling stories Mm. has that power and the fact that religious stories from any religion they're still getting repeated yeah to this day like i just oh it's yeah. great even it's like some great. stories in the bible are like influenced by previous yeah. mythologies like trying to deny that is just silly like come on <laughs> yeah it's it's wonderful like everything is just cyclical yeah. like he keeps going around like um i think also like whether like agree or disagree with like you know the teachings of jesus christ like he was a storyteller in essence mm. his goal was like also to like tell these stories and i feel that um, literature these days would be in, like a much worse shape if we didn't have these like, oh, tales from the past. Like, who doesn't like like Christmas stories? Like, yeah, I'm so excited for Christmas. <laughs> Say, I'm gonna watch Polar Express like the tenth time. <gasps> Does that give you uncanny valley? I love the Polar Express, but at the same time, I'm still like, oh, I'm creeped out. This guy looks too much like Tom Hanks, but he's not Tom. Tom Hanks, Hanks voice acts like so many people. Oh. There's like five characters that he like. He's he's like the train, the like, yeah. the the hobo man on like the top of the train. Wow, I can't believe Tom Hanks and the Polar Express was in the Bible. <laughs> Exactly. It's my favourite Bible story. I remember that. When Tom Hanks abducted a child <laughs> on a magical Christmas train. It was the first story Jesus told St. Peter. Like. Yeah, Jesus came down and was like, here's the story of when Will Farrell went to New York City <laughs> dressed as an elf. I oh God, I, I love the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's my favourite anime. <laughs> wow, Sailor Moon is my favourite gospel. <laughs> okay, um... Do you think religion has influenced your writing? Ooh. Ooh. Um, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> um, because the way I have it, that I'm really fascinated. I think fantasy is an excellent opportunity to do this. Yeah. It's like exploring different religions that you can have, like, you can have both, like, um, polytheistic, monotheistic religions existing, like, in the same world. And you can, like, but also, like, it's very interesting to see also, like, what happens if, like, an average human, you know, or like just like oh a good or a bad human gets like the powers of a god like maybe not the god but a god yeah and what they do with them you know and I think it like my own religion influences me in the sense that in every like um, story or book I've written I always have like this 
creator person. Yeah. You've got these like gods that people like in the world consider gods, but there's always this like one thing that's like really mysterious, like, it's above everything else that you don't really know much about. So uh, for me, um, like, yeah, my religion, um, it's just the way I world build everything. It is based on religion. I like mm. exploring religions. Um, I really like religious imagery, like the sort of iconography, especially from Catholic religion, all the stuff like Greek mythology. And I like to reference Greek mm. mythology just because I'm very into it and also very basic, very, very basic. It's just, I think it's a good touch point because I think there are some stories and images that everybody can recognize. And if you can sort of play off it a little bit, I think it's a sort of grounding that everybody can sort of, I don't know, not relate to, but rec you know, recognize. I think it's just a, it's such a cultural touch point. It's impossible sometimes for me to mm. not reference it. Like, because I've gone through it for my whole life, I find it hard to not include at least one character who has some experience with religion mm. when I'm writing. Because I think it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's so interesting mm. when it's a part of someone's life. Like, whether it's in a negative way mm. or a very positive way, it's going to be such a huge part mm. of it. <laughs> my thing is I like to include stuff from Welsh mythology and the Mabinogion. <laughs> and you'll you really know that if you grew up over in a little country <laughs> called Wales. A, lot, a big issue is that always, like, everyone believes in something. It's like there's no atheists in these, like, fantasy yeah. worlds. And, like, something very interesting that uh, Sanderson has done in his um, newest series is that he has this character of an atheist. But actually, I feel like... Fancy authors should explore like the concept like the atheist or the agnostic way more because I feel like it's also important that like, if you write about religion in your work if it influences it to remember that there are people who don't believe at all and yeah. that they should also be included. How would they interact with like a person who has the powers of a god? What does writing mean to you? Oh god, I'm gonna be really sappy. It means practically everything. It's one of the only things I'm good at in this world and I've been doing it since I was about well, for as long as I could, like, n not writing, but, like, my parents remember me, like, walking around and just telling stories, mm. like, to myself. It's pretty much all I've ever done and all I ever want to do. I don't give a fuck about anything else. I just mm. like to write. That's all I want to do. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And it's all I'm ever going to do. Mm. And so, practically, it means everything to me in a very, very sappy way. <laughs> yeah, on a similar note, but... I think, like, writing, I had a similar experience to you, like, I've wrote my first tree when I was like eight or something like that or even younger so for me writing is like it's not only about because it's not just about the story or like if it's fancy about the world building that's it's really about the characters like two characters or three or how many and their interactions with each other and the world surrounding them and that's what really makes a story great and for me yeah writing is like is everything but also it's mainly about the characters and their interactions with both the plot and the world I think the only way I can really like explain it for myself is I was going through a very bad time a couple of years ago, and I read this book called A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozaki. <clears throat> and um, in it, there's this bit where she basically says, because through the whole thing, like, this character is like, she's having a horrible fucking time, and she's like, oh, I might as well just kill myself towards the end. <laughs> and I was like, mood. Mm. And then she sort of realizes that, like, it's not about the long haul, it's about existing for now, like, existing for the time being. And I remember reading it, and I was like, in the back of a car, and mm. I was in a right fucking mood. And I was like, Oh, well, there you go. That's a mm. life-changing moment. Shaken thoroughly. Like, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but I cannot mm. overemphasize the importance of that moment for me. I am amazed by the ability of writing to maybe just find that one person and just say exactly what mm. they need to hear. I don't want much out of life. I would just like to do that for one person. Mm. 
I think I write about two mm. hours every day. I just like to write. Mm. I, my happiest when I'm writing, I'm just in my little room mm, on my own. Exactly. The only other time I'm as happy is when I'm absolutely fucked off my brain. <laughs> like, when I'm absolutely pissed drunk, that's as close as I can come to get mm. to the happiness I get from writing. I think, like, a lot of writers, they do it because I want to get published and I want to be, like, famous, like, George R. R. Martin, J.K. Rowling, Stephen King. But I also think the most important one is that you should be writing for yourself. You should be writing because you enjoy mm. it. Because you have to ask yourself the question at some point. What if I had 100 unpublished novels? Would I still be happy about that? And I think that's like the question that every writer should ask themselves. Are you just doing this for the potential fame? Why are you actually doing this? Because you want to be the product of your writing. Mm. Well, last thing I'll say on the risk of sounding cheesy, which I'm very good at, (laughs) is that if we think about it as writing is, for me, it's, it's a part of my life. I structure a lot of my life around it. Then in a way, it's almost kind of like the religion in my life. Like... Mm. It's all like, you know, it's my biggest thing that I care about. Like, I love it so much. So, there you go. Tie the two together. <laughs> You're welcome. Lovely. Yeah. Thank oh. you. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Yeah. Banging. So, Helena, why did we put together Philip and Anna in a podcast? I, I guess we were kind of mean and we kind of wanted them to hate each other. No, I was really pleased with how it kind of showed that you can... Them talking about religion and, like, obviously disagreeing showed that you can overcome major differences in belief if you just sit down at a table and talk about it. And, like, they relate. They could relate to so many things about each other, music and whatever. So, yeah, what did you think? I thought it was great how well they managed to kind of find similarities despite being... A Catholic person and a person whose Catholicism kind of turned them agnostic. Yeah. I think it was really cool that they managed to find similarities within that. Yeah. I think Anna's so funny and I think like Philip is so passionate. They were they were like a really interesting match to listen to. Um just a disclaimer here, Anna and Philip do know each other slightly. Yeah. But they for sure have never spoken about this before, so in a sense it is still their first encounter. Yeah. <laughs> I loved how they could kind of agree on things, even though they obviously are completely different ends of like the of their religious spectrum. And also, it kind of shows how people can have completely different experiences with their faith. I also found it really cool how they had really similar beliefs on pretty much everything, apart from like whether or not God exists. Yeah, you know, because they they kind of come to the same conclusions, even though they go through different ways of getting there yeah which i thought was cool i'm glad they focused on their similarities rather than their differences because that could have been quite explosive yes yes i mean i'm like i'm always down for some drama (laughs) i'm not gonna lie oh we love a bit of drama (laughs) (laughs) i would have loved if this like ended up like ended in screaming but i'm also really pleased that it didn't and that they could kind of agree and enjoy each other's company. They definitely, both of them have really big hearts. So we interviewed them, both of them, after kind of their first meeting, separately though. Um, and that's what you're gonna hear now. First of all, like you you already knew Anna. We, we were cheating yeah. a bit because you guys already know each other. We hate each other. <laughs> I think you knew each other more than we thought you did. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, new is, like, hard to say because, like, yeah, we do have, like, we share two seminars, but we don't really interact each other with each other much. First proper, like, conversation. Good. Well, how did you find the chat? 
Uh, no, I think it was like uh, it defied my expectations in a certain sense. So I thought like, oh, it's just going to turn to like an absolute, you know, like um, <laughs> rage, like flame fest. <laughs> like oh, religion sucks, so it doesn't. Um, but I was just like pleasantly surprised that I think this is like shows that people from like uh, I wish like a lot of my friends here understood that that you can like be you know like it's two sides of a political spectrum because it's not a secret that I'm a right wing person. But I feel like. You know, you can be like two sides of the political spectrum or have different sides of religion. You can still have like, you know, a cool discussion, still find some common points and differences mm-hmm. one on one. I was really pleasantly surprised that we could have like a really, really cool and fun and um, informative, like, uh, call it a debate might be too much, but yeah. <laughs> like a talk here. So, yeah, I was really pleased about that. How do you know Philip? Because we did cheat and you do know yes. each other already. Uh, we share, I think, three seminars together. Okay, but you don't really know each other? No, not really. So it was kind of still your first encounter? If you want us to support your cheating, yes. Yes, <laughs> please do. Okay, and what did you think of your chat? I was fun. I kind of expected him to come in uh, guns blazing. So I just, I, I had a worry that it was going to get very, like, the flames of God around us. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead, it was just the flames of whoever Brandon Sanderson is. I'm going to be honest with you, because I assume that's what you want. Yeah. And like, I don't really give a fuck what people think about me, but I don't didn't come into this with the most positive view of Philip. Like I walked in and literally looked you dead in the eyes, and, like trying to send messages that said, "I will fucking kill you in your sleep." I got those messages. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't really. I think sometimes you can come across a bit overbearing in seminars. So we're actually going to talk to him one on one. I was like, oh okay, yeah, I see where he's coming from a little bit better. So yeah, it was helpful. I maybe won't try to kill him now. Okay, are you gonna try and kill us? <laughs> Potentially. Okay. <laughs> For that fucking curveball. <laughs> I was like, because when <laughs> before you went out, you were like, I have this hellish vision. It's gonna be Philip. And me and Helena looked at each other like, fuck. <laughs> me and my right, me and my friends were like, when I told them about this, they were like, do you think it'll be Philip? Just because everyone knows that you would. Just yes, please hit her. <laughs> and they were like, do you think it'd be Philip? And I said, why would it be Philip? And they were like. Because you're the kind of person who would get into a fight with Philip, like, potentially throwing punches. And I was like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. No, we know each other. That's not going to... And I was like, oh, oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. But, yeah, it turned out much better than I expected, you know. Yeah. I still am amazed by his dedication to fantasy. But, you know, I don't think he's a nutter. So, there you go. Positive outcome. I don't hate him. (laughs) We're fine. Thank you for listening to the First Encounters podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to shamelessly plug ourselves on social media now. So if you would like to know more or keep up with us on Facebook, you can search for First Encounters or at First Encounters podcast on Facebook. And if you have any questions for us, you can tweet us at at podcast FE on Twitter because that's the only handle that was available. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's all for this week. But right now, we're going to have a little sneak peek for next week. So do enjoy it and catch you next time. It's a huge thing in Singapore. Like people will meet up at like 1am in the morning and go mm. for like hot pot. Food is really, really important and eating right. together yeah. and cooking together is really important. When was the last time you were really afraid? Um, what do you think of the UK? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh dear. I think my anxiety was coming from the fact that I was lonely. In order to do anything for anyone else, you need to be okay. A big thank you to Raw, that's Radio at Warwick, for allowing us to use their studios.